Hello, this is Harry Thomason, and welcome to The Story You Never Heard, executive produced by Benji Gaither and Douglas Jackson. On this podcast, we'll tell you stories about the world, your country, your people, and things that happened long ago and not so long ago. Stories you probably never heard until now. Here's tonight's tale. Today, I'm telling a story from one of my favorite magazines, American Heritage. It's by one of my favorite writers, Richard Snow, not only a brilliant magazine writer, but the creator of some of my favorite books, The Burning, Disney's Land, The Clockwork Mirror, and many other great books, 23 to be exact. Now, I love to go to my grandfather's house as a child for many reasons, and one was he had many magazine subscriptions, including one to American Heritage. I enjoyed reading a lot of his subscriptions, especially American Heritage. In my adult life, American Heritage was important to me because its first editor was Bruce Catton, who co-wrote the book that the first miniseries I ever produced was based on, The Blue and the Gray. Because of hard times in the print business, the magazine was forced to suspend print publication in 2013. But a group of volunteers saved the archives and relaunched it in digital form in 2017. Like our site, a subscription is free, and you should check it out. And if you can, consider a contribution of any size to keep this American treasure vibe. Now, you can check it all out by going to AH Society. Treat that as all one word, A-H-S-O-C-I-E-T-Y dot org. Tonight's Richard Snow story is from the April 1970 story called William James Sidus, Genius. Early in 1910, the solemn boy stood at a podium in his velvet knickers and with halting 11-year-old gravity addressed a hundred Harvard professors and advanced mathematics students on four-dimensional bodies. Though his speculations were too abstruse for some in the audience, Professor Daniel Comstock of MIT followed them all and at the end of the talk assured baffled reporters that the boy, William James Sidus, was destined to become one of the great mathematicians of the age. Papers across the country picked up the story, and for a while Sidus was the most famous child in America. The boy's extraordinary brilliance was more than fortuitous, or so his father Boris believed. The elder Sidus, a Russian-born pioneer in the field of psychopathology, was also deeply interested in early education and firmly convinced that the brain was at its most receptive in the first years of life. In 1898, with the birth of his son, he gained a perfect subject for his experiments. To delay is a mistake and wrong to the child, he wrote later in a self-congratulatory book about his son's education. We can at that early period awaken a love of knowledge which will persist through life. Dr. Sidis certainly did not delay. William was still in his crib when his father, using alphabet blocks, began to teach him English. For a while, it all went wonderfully. By the time William was two, he was pecking out sentences on a typewriter. At five, he produced a treatise on anatomy and worked out a formula with which he could instantly calculate the date of the week on which any date in history fell. At six, 
You'll stound the teachers in the Brookline, Massachusetts public school system by roaring through a seven-year course of study in just six months. At eight, he developed an entirely new logarithmic table, and at nine, his father decided he was ready to enter Harvard. University officials didn't know quite what to make with this monstrously able child. He was clearly qualified for undergraduate work, but they finally decided he was emotionally immature and suggested he come back in two years. Even with this delay, Williams James Sidis was the youngest student to ever attend Harvard when he entered at 11, taking the record away from Cotton Mather, who matriculated at age 12 in 1674. That winter, the boy gave the lecture on the fourth dimension that established him as the great child prodigy of his era. The next year, well, it didn't go well. He had a nervous breakdown. Our Buckminster Fuller, the world-famous inventor and visionary, and also a student at Harvard, met him after his return. Most students considered him a freak, said Fuller. He was 16 when I knew him, but his parents still sent him to school just like a boy of 12. In those days, a boy automatically put on long trousers when he was 14. But Willie Sidis still wore Little Lord Fauntleroy's short pants and high-button shoes. Some of us thought he was being dangerously overloaded, and he showed some signs of distress. But no one imagined anything but the greatest success for him. Sidis graduated cum laude at 16, but his celebrity life was pressuring him. I want to live the perfect life, he told newspaper reporters on his graduation day. The only way to live the perfect life is to live it in seclusion. He already had vowed never to marry and had made a medal commemorating the decision. He turned in his usual brilliant performance at Harvard Law School, but mathematics remained his chief interest. And in 1918, he took a job teaching it at Rice University in Texas. When he got there, however, he was dismayed to find himself once again the center of attention as the famous child prodigy. Rice students ridiculed the childish sightings for eight months. He finally gave up and went back to Boston and Harvard to continue the study of law. And he also began consciously dismantling the wonderful, painful, intellectual mechanism nature that his ambitious father had given him. Sidus took up the socialist cause later in 1918 and was jailed during a communist anti-war rally. It was in jail that he met the only woman he ever loved, an Irish socialist named Martha Foley. Meanwhile, the media hounded him. Sidus was determined to find privacy. He disavowed his knowledge of mathematics. The only work he'd take was running calculating machines. He poured his energy into his hobby collecting streetcar transfer. In 1924, a reporter found him working as a clerk in a Wall Street office for $23 per week. Sidus said that all he wanted was privacy, enough money to get by on, and a job that made no demands on him. Then he dropped from sight again. 1926, the man who's going to be the greatest scientific light of his time published his only work a 300-page treatise on collecting streetcar transfer. For years, Sidus had been prowling the streets after work and on weekends, seeking the discarded slips of paper. He had over 1,600 different ones. They gave him an immense amount of pleasure. The book, Notes on the Collection of Transfers, contains densely printed arcana 
about various interconnecting lawns, scraps of verse about streetcars, and some simple foolish streetcar jokes that the author might have enjoyed in his childhood had he had one. Sidish published it under the unlovely pseudonym of Frank Falupa, but reporters managed to ascribe the book to him, tracked him down, and again he fled. He took a job working on an adding machine, but blew his cover when, a co-worker recalled, somebody showed him a new set of tables prepared by some of our top experts as an aid in solving certain complicated statistical problems. Sadi studied them for a while and suggested a simple way of eliminating all the difficulties. It was obvious that he had forgotten nothing. After that brilliant demonstration, the pressure on Sadis to conform increased. He began to look and behave like a trapped animal, and finally, he just resigned. In 1937, a correspondent for the New Yorker magazine found him. The very sight of a mathematical formula makes me physically ill, Sidus said. All I want to do is run an adding machine, but they just won't let me alone. The correspondent mentioned Professor Comstock's sanguine prediction of nearly 30 years before and Sidus grinned. It's strange, he said, but you know, I was born on April Fool's Day. When the article came out, Sada sued the New Yorker for invasion of privacy. In the hall bedroom of a shabby South Boston rooming house, he wrote out his own briefs, advancing the losing argument that he was no longer genius. He had become an ordinary man, he said, and he would take intelligence tests to prove it. The lawsuit was thrown out of court and Sidus continued his lonely wandering from job to job, picking up streetcar transfers along the way. He was 46 years old and had just been forced from a clerk's post in the State Department of Unemployment Compensation in the summer of 1944, when a cerebral hemorrhage brought his long, inverted childhood to an end. He was still carrying Martha Foley's picture. She'd long since married someone else, but that didn't matter. Silas got only love with his head. All his life, he'd vigorously rejected sex, art, music, or anything else that meant contact with the unwelcoming world outside his mind. In case you were wondering, William James Silas IQ was estimated to be 60 points higher than Albert Einstein's. Well, that's our story for tonight, and we hope you enjoyed it. If this is your first time here, why not check out the rest of the catalog? We have so many great stories in previous episodes. If you like what you hear, be sure to share this podcast with your friends and family. And leave us a review wherever you're listening. Your reviews and ratings go a long way in helping other listeners find us. If you'd like to help us as we research and write more exciting shows you've never heard, you can make a small monthly contribution by going to anchor.fm slash T-S-Y-N-H, for the story you never heard, of course, and clicking on the support button. You can give as little as 99 cents or as much as you want, but you don't have to give anything, and we're still here, and we're still free. We appreciate each and every one of you, and thank you for giving us your time each week. We'll see you next week with a brand new story you never heard. Have a good night, everyone. Come visit us on the web at thestoryyouneverheard.com and facebook.com slash T-S-Y-N-H. This show is executive produced by Benji Gaither and Douglas Jackson. Our technical consultant and website administrator is John Balderston, and Justin Nichols is our editor.